All right. Uh, well, without any further ado, you're listening to Talk Clean to Me, a podcast where we talk to folks working in the clean tech space, sustainable energy, clean energy, to uh, learn from their experiences and uh, and have some fun. So today we're sitting down with uh, Les and Katie from uh, Test Solar. Les, correct me on exactly what it is you guys do, and we'll get started. Okay. So what what we've done is update the manufacturing process for the solar module. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't know that design's like 40 years old. Um, I call it your grandfather's solar module, um, it, and it really is. Uh, so we've come up with a new way of building the module. It makes it a lot lighter, uh, higher performance. Uh, the big deal, though, is that it lets us integrate it with mounting hardware mm-hmm. um, very seamlessly, and that reduces the installation time by over 50%. Um, that combination actually takes somewhere around 40 to 50% out of the cost of a residential solar installation. Really? Yeah, cool. so it's a pretty big deal. Um, so if you had to really... Um, you know, e- either one of you, feel free to jump in at any time, guys. Um, sum up the problem that you're trying to solve, or when you think about the problem, or when you're pitching this to people, what's, what's the problem? So the, the big problem is that solar power is still too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we still got subsidies from the feds. Uh, we've got state incentives, all kinds of stuff, in order to make it cost effective. Uh, so what we're trying to do is actually reduce the cost of the electric power that comes out of the solar panels so that it's at, at least as cheap as what you'd pay the utility for. Mm-hmm. Cool. And one of the ways that we're looking at reducing the cost is by sort of really reshuffling how, or re-examining how the module is assembled entirely. Since, as Les said, that hasn't changed in the past 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you look at the existing costs of, you know, where are the costs of putting together a solar module and it's mounting hardware, um, by re-examining every step in that process, we're looking for where can you save money and what processes are just so ingrained that no one's ever thought about changing them in a really long time. Mm-hmm. But if we did change it, what benefits do you get? So it's a, a holistic look then on that entire process and where's overlap or where's things we can make work together better to just top to bottom make that part of the process go. Exactly. It's more of a systems level view from the cell all the way to how it's mounted on someone's roof. So we, we don't change the solar cell. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a standard silicon solar cell. We can buy it from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but we change all of the materials that go around that that make up all of the rest of the module. So we use thinner glass, and we use a different kind of encapsulant, which is the glue that holds everything together, um, and a few other things like that that allows more light to go into the cell and for the cell to use more of that light effectively. Mm-hmm. So um, you asked about efficiency. The efficiency goes up somewhere on the order of 10 to 15 percent. Wow. Awesome. Um, in relative terms, um, it's 30% lighter. I'm going to bombard you with numbers now because you asked. <laughs> I did, I did. That's exactly what I right. wanted. Okay, so it's, it, it's about 10% more power. It's 30% lighter. It's 10% smaller. Um, it installs in less than half the time. Um, and it produces 10% more energy over the lifetime compared to conventional panels. Mm-hmm. Um, so you add all that together, and you can take the cost of electricity, but you can take the cost of electricity from somewhere close to 20 cents per kilowatt hour down below 10. 
Wow. All right. You're probably paying 12 to 15 cents a kilowatt hour at your house or apartment right now for comparison. So we can actually get solar power down to about half the cost of what you pay the utility. Yeah. Yeah. One of the kind of cool things that people have asked us for and something that we uniquely can do is to make what we call a mega module. Um, Standard solar module right now has 60 to 72 solar cells in it. We can make it with as many as you want because of the way we make the modules. So we can triple or quadruple the output of a panel and make it as big as they want it so it makes it really easy for them to install with a truck and a crane. Cool. All right, Katie, did you want to add anything at all? I know Les is running away with it here. I had a feeling he might, but we can fight back if you want. I have nothing to add to that. (laughs) No pressure yet. It won't be on the test later. Mm -hmm. Katie, how did you hear about Test Solar? And how did you find Les and decide to apply? Um, Sure. So I heard about Test Solar from a friend who was working at Fraunhofer. Um, I had recently finished my PhD and looking for a job, and so... I did what most people do, which is start calling up your friends who have jobs <laughs> and <laughs> ask them to lunch, <laughs> use that network. And, you yeah. know, based on my PhD work, I was looking to go a little bit more systems level. My mm-hmm. PhD work was on the solar cell material itself, mm-hmm. um, not silicon, but a different thin film material. Um, and I'd seen, you know, there's a, a lot of work and a lot of effort that goes into developing the silicon solar cell material itself. But there's a lot that goes beyond that. Um, and I was really looking to explore that mm-hmm. as well. And so Johanna was like, oh, I think I know just the company. Was it what you, did you envision yourself, work, were you looking for startups specifically? And then was it what you expected? Um, I was not looking specifically for a startup. I, um, you know, I wanted to stay in energy. I was looking at battery companies as well, or so, as, well as solar companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think because I, I really decided to do my PhD work in solar cells and I wanted to stay there, I had no idea what to expect in a startup. <laughs> <laughs> so you just jumped right in. Yeah. I kind of figured I'd be working pretty hard. That's what I had heard. So that's still <laughs> yeah. mostly true. <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think especially when I started out, it was pretty small. It was just me and Les, for the most part, working. Um, with Yaku overseas, um, but now actually the company has grown a lot. Yeah, and now we, we were talking to Les <laughs> earlier, and uh, now we don't have quite enough desks, so it's changed <laughs> yeah. pretty quickly. It's, a good it's only been a year. Good yeah. problem to have. <laughs> so the flip side of that question is Les. How do you find wonderful people to work with? I've been really fortunate. Uh, this is my third or fourth or fifth. I lose track startup. Um, but in each case, I've been able to find really good people just through my network. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other place that's really been valuable, I'm going to give a plug to somebody that might be surprising, the Massachusetts Clean Energy Center. Um, their internship program has been uh, great. Yeah. Um, so we've hi- hired now six or seven interns. Uh, and uh, we've hired one on full-time, but that's been really valuable. Uh, but it really is primarily the network. You know, the more people you know, the more likely it is that somebody's going to throw a name at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what do I look for? Um, attitude, first and foremost, um, and personality. Um, 
Katie came to us with with uh, mad skills. <laughs> after after in the most technical terms. <laughs> yes, <laughs> most technical. That is a technical term. That's correct. Mad wicked, skills. Wicked mad. Since we're in Massachusetts, <laughs> was that on her resume? Did it yeah. say mad skills? Yeah. 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 Right under my name, mad skills. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the whole thing. <laughs> we're, we're done now. You're <laughs> um, But but I, I learned a long time ago that that hiring people that aren't compatible. Uh, that can't get along with one another, that don't have good attitudes towards what they're doing, aren't passionate about their, what doing, it, you know, it, it just kills everybody. Mm -hmm. All you need is one clunker. Yeah. Um, so I work really hard to try to vet people on you know, their attitude and, and their approach to things and their ability to laugh and, and have fun and sure. listen to music in the lab and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's uh, paramount for me. Um, but you know, of course, skills do matter. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> You're way too easy. <laughs> Team. So, so you bring up an interesting point, which is music in the lab. Yep. So what is the best music to play in the lab? What's, what do you guys jam out to? There, there is one thing forbidden. Okay. What's, oh, okay. So. Bollywood. No. Oh, no. Are you kidding? I love Bollywood well, music. We, we have a curry house next door to us that plays their music really loud, and it comes banging through the that wall. That doesn't get you guys jazzed up. <laughs> I guess we can't see the amazing no. dance moves. No. Yeah, you can't right. see the dance yeah, moves, and it's like more just like the bass level bass beat. <laughs> see, he didn't change a pace. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That makes and sense. And we just play our music louder. Yeah. All right. It's a competition. So at, at some point, you know, this was just an idea, and I'd love to hear where where this idea came from, and what the process has been like of turning just an idea into a startup. And unfortunately for Katie, that's when I have to take a go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we have more for Katie later. Yeah, we, we, got more, we got more just for Katie later. So that's fine. The the original concept for this actually predates me and the company. Mm -hmm. um, my co-founders, uh, Yaku and Marco, uh, Marco's brother was a supply chain manager, is a supply chain manager in, in China for solar, mm -hmm. and took the two of them over and introduced them to C-level executives at the top tier manuf uh, module manufacturers in China. So they toured around for a few weeks just interviewing these guys and asking them, you know, in Yaku's words, we're two smart guys from MIT, what are your problems? And this was one I got introduced to them in 2010, roughly, 2012, um, somewhere between there, um, when they were trying to figure out what to do with the technology because the market had crashed. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody was investing in solar, nobody wanted to talk about it. So they were actually trying to sell the intellectual property. Hmm. Um, and we looked at it, and nobody wanted to buy that either, right? Um, but by later in 2012, the market was turning around. Mm -hmm. You know, all the excess capacity in the world was being washed out, and people were starting to invest in innovation and manufacturing scale up again. Um, and the harder we looked at it, the more we realized that their original concept was just the solar module, the panel itself. Mm -hmm. But the more we looked at it, the more we realized that if you just integrated that one more step downstream, you had you filled the gap in the market that nobody was innovating around. Mm -hmm. um, so we dissolved their old company, reincorporated Test Solar in 2014 um, on the basis of the new concept, which is the integrated hardware for installation. That's fascinating. So you actually asked people what they needed, right? Or someone asked people what they needed, yeah. developed something around it, looked at the market and figured out where in the market you fit in, pivoted a little bit around that, and kind of once you've lined everything up, just kind of going after it. 
Sounds easy the way you describe yeah. it. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to make <laughs> well, it, it, it. A five-step program. <laughs> well, that's how that's how it gets pitched in the, all the startup manuals, right? right. And yeah. All of the, yep. uh, you know, so it's interesting how many of those elements of a, of a good startup success story, or at least a startup that's on track, that you guys have. And uh, yeah, don't want to make it sound like to our listeners that it is that easy or as easy as a book might China make and Italy. it sound. Yeah. There's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that happens in between. Um, but uh, no, that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. So going back to Katie, <laughs> and uh, one of my coworkers has described working at a startup as like a halfway house for PhD grads. It's like the next step before you enter industry, <laughs> but still kind of like grad school. <laughs> would you? How would you describe your experience in the Boston startup community? Um, I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I feel the same way, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, your small startup sort of becomes like your lab. This will go on for however long it, it does, and then eventually, you know, whatever happens, take it to its, you know, to the end of whatever test solar will be, and then... Maybe find a real job. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or you go back and just stay. <laughs> you won't be qualified for a real job after this. <laughs> He's kidding. <laughs> so, so, you know, talking to your friends from when you were a PhD who either, you know, went on to pursue ex extended postdocs or to work at national labs or to get into academia, how do you think your experience compares to theirs? Um, I think... The primary difference is considering is, are the business considerations. Mm -hmm. um, still staying in academia, the the currency is papers. Mm -hmm. It always has been, right. and that's sort of what I didn't like about academia. Mm -hmm. I just didn't like writing papers, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> um, I think another big difference I found was the volume of material that we need to deal with, mm -hmm. and as well, like physically, like the volume of stuff that we need. Um, if you're writing a paper, you sometimes maybe need that experiment to work once, maybe ideally twice, preferably. <laughs> <laughs> if it's repeatable, that's a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you get it, you get your experiment to work a couple times, you're like, good, I've got a paper. Um, whereas now in this company, we need, we don't need it to work five times, we need it to work a million times. Mm -hmm. And that is just a vastly different scale. Yeah. Um, to get that to work repeatedly a million plus times. And that's just a different kind of challenge than I'm used to dealing with I'm in, in my PhD and I think that most academics are used to dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, it's a major difference. So have you enjoyed the experience of being exposed to the business side of things? Is that kind of as exciting as you'd hope? It's certainly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Very diplomatic answer. Okay. <laughs> Okay. It is interesting in that I've learned a lot of stuff I did not know. Well, the reason I ask is when I, you know, I came from a, an academic background, and when I got involved with startups, I was like, oh, this is way more interesting. The, you know, the business side of things, the pitching, and um, and it, it's definitely moving towards startups a good place to explore that. I was wondering if you had a similar experience. For me, it was an escape from the lab. <laughs> <laughs> Wanna go? go? Yeah. So. Really, another part of what we're looking to accomplish with this podcast is to humanize the incredible startup successes that we hear so much of and that you guys have obviously gone through 
So we think there's no better way to do that than to share stories of both the funniest moments that you've had in the startup world, as well as like the scariest, oh my God, why am I here moments. Um, I do have to, well, you know, I have scary moments every day, frankly. Um, you know, I really do. It's like, oh God, are we going to be able to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly just daily frustrations. I can't say I've ever been scared. Mm-hmm. Is, ever. Do you think that that's because of your prior experiences in the startup world, like in your first startup? Well, there, I guess there, there were two things that happened that were, again, not really scary, but just, well, I wish that wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. when I got it. <laughs> I, was, I was walking back from lunch one day and got a call from our investors saying we're out. Whoa. Yeah. That couldn't have felt good. No, not at all. Um, and it came out of the blue, right? Mm-hmm. There was just no hint of it. We had a board meeting the week before, and there was no hint of it, and all of a sudden they were gone. The other thing was, was, and again, this is, you know, I learned not to be scared by this stuff. We actually got to the point where we knew our technology was not going to work. And there was no way to pivot it. And that doesn't terrify you? Nope. It was time to close it down and walk away. Mm-hmm. Fact of life. Um, yeah, some people might get scared by it, but I, you know, I looked at it and said, okay, so I did this once, I can do it again. Um, so, and ever since then, it's like, you know, failure is not good, but if you learn from it, it's valuable. Um, so on we go. You know, I've started a couple of companies since then, and, you know, I've, we did manage to sell one. Nobody got rich off of it, but that was a success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so, but, yeah, I don't, I don't get scared by that stuff. I'm pretty pragmatic about it. I guess I'm, maybe I just got thick skin by now. Katie, anything from you? A little, little, I, would, uh, I think <laughs> I'm trying to adopt that <laughs> You don't have to. It's just me. <laughs> Might help me sleep better at night. <laughs> <laughs> Who said I sleep well? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but I guess this being my first startup, I think I'm less used to the or adjusting to the risk profile that does come with the startup company. The, mm-hmm. the idea of, oh, God, if this doesn't work, we won't get that pile of money that should be there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, and then, like, worrying about, like, especially with some of the tests we run, they're just very long environmental tests. So they run for 40 days. Yeah. And if it fails on, like, day 38, you're just like, well, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you just got to start over again. And so even just, like, planning the timing of all of that is a bit stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and waiting for it to pass is stressful. <laughs> Any fun, funny, exciting moments? Um, I think actually maybe assembling, or at least one of our, or my first prototypes, um, when me and two of our interns finally put together our first prototype that we had done. Les had done one previously. Um, but putting together that was very rewarding. Yeah. Um, and a very long day. <laughs> <laughs> but, I can sympathize with that. <laughs> Aren't they all? <laughs> it was rewarding to finally see it, um, see how nice it looked. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a unique yeah. feeling holding the prototype that you built with your, your you own made. hands. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it works. No works. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus points if it yeah. works, too. It works really well, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Cool. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to shift topics again a little bit again now. Um, so Les, you mentor for the Clean Tech Open, correct? Yes, I do. So why do you do that? It's fun. Yeah? Yeah, I get to meet all, all kinds of new people. 
um, that are doing sometimes really wacky things and other times really important things. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's I just enjoy it. So would you rec what are your thoughts on accelerator programs in general? I'm going to be shocked that I actually have strong opinions on this. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> um, I think accelerators are very good in their place. Mm -hmm. I think um, I'll give a couple problems first and then a couple of opportunities maybe. I think the, the biggest problem I see with them is they be, they've become really cookie cutter. Hmm. Um, they tend to be, they believe that they're one size fits all. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not. You never can be. There are too many different kinds of companies, too many different kinds of people in those companies. Um, any accelerator has got to be flexible enough to tailor for the companies and the people that are trying to go through it. Mm -hmm. um, and most of them, like I said, they've developed a formula and they just apply the formula. And if that, that particular part doesn't fit to you, well, that's kind of tough. Mm -hmm. You know, fill out the forms anyway and submit them on time and we'll move forward. Um, so I, I think that's a problem. And, you know, I've actually been caught in that. We, Test Solar went through Clean Tech Open last year. Mm -hmm. um, and the accelerator is really geared towards Startup 101. Yeah, um, sure. My co-founders and I have each done it a few times. Um, so we actually asked to be tested out. Of <laughs> <laughs> Did they have that test? Um, yeah, you just have to talk to the right, right people. Yeah. <laughs> just right to Rex gets you out of it. Yeah. Uh, so, so we got graduated to the next phase of the program without mm -hmm. having to do quite all of the work. Um, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it was, it people was are going to hear helpful. this, and Clean Tech Open is going to hear no end of the people trying to test out all of it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, where do I find it. that button on the website? I need that test out thing. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I, they actually serve a very valuable purpose, especially for, and this is who should be in it, uh, for a first time entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, it's a nice way to get a broad fire hose overview of the startup wor world and landscape and some of the tools that you need to get through it. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, it is a good launch, launch pad, uh, but um, you got to be careful how you use it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that's what I advise my clean tech, tech open people, you know, use the part that's most valuable for you to move your company forward. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not valuable to you as a company, don't spend much time on it. Right. All right, let's see. So we're uh, getting down to the last few questions here. Um, so I'm curious, so we, I always like to ask about government policy, which is something we've touched on a little bit in our conversation so far, but you know, how does you know, policy, active policy changes happening right now affect you guys, or how much does that affect your decision-making process, you know, the state of policy right now? I pay attention, real close attention, sure. uh, to policy. Um, for example, you know, at, at the executive level, um, the presidential election could mean a lot. <laughs> um, you know, policy flows down through through the agencies like the Department of Energy, um, and if if funding, especially given the state, the po relatively poor state of venture capital around solar, mm -hmm. um, if the federal money dried up. I think the U.S. could just close the door, lock it, and walk away from the solar industry. Mm -hmm. um, there's always going to be installers, uh, but I think the innovation is going to go away because there's nobody else to fund it right now at the early stages. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge deal. I think we're ready to move on to our last set of questions. Yeah. All right. I'll kick it off then. Um, so open question to both of you, and love to hear from both of you guys. 
Um, what would you tell aspiring entrepreneurs out there who have a vision for how to make the world a better place or who want to get involved with energy but don't know where they belong but think that you know they either want to start a company or they want to join a, a, a startup? Um, so maybe my advice might be like you know pick the kind of energy you want to focus on um, in terms of it from a technology standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'll answer this from a technology viewpoint because that's that's what I know. Um, and then to start off with, there's things like MIT Energy Night or the MIT Energy Club mm -hmm. um, Symposium in the spring, and then there's one at Harvard um, as well. Like start going to those and figure out what the environment looks like, like what is the market dependent on. Um, if you're going to grad school, you know, find a research group that does that particular kind of energy that you're interested in. Because mm -hmm. um, I do think that the background in the technology is important. Like so many of these new renewable energies are so techno technologically driven, um, understanding those technologies well is important. Mm -hmm. um, and then at least from my perspective, then you get to the business stuff. Um, what makes it a marketable product and what doesn't. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Over to you, Les. All right. So I'm going to go at it from a slightly different direction. Mm -hmm. The you know, a lot of people that get into get into energy, you know, sustainability or whatever, they, it, it's uh, it's almost idealistic. Um, and my advice to, to everyone that gets into it is you can only do good by doing well. Um, hmm. You have to make money with your product somehow. You know, you can be a nonprofit, but you still have to make money with your product. You have to be you have to become self-sustaining as a business in order to do good in the world. And, I, you know, I've seen an awful lot of people go to Africa with this really cool idea and they get over there and there's no way to sustain it. Um, trying to do the right thing, uh, but it, it's tough. I think I saw last year in Clean Tech Open there were some some people that were doing some solar powered wells that were really great. And the first thing they did is they established themselves with an NGO in a country that they knew could pay them enough to at least recoup their costs on those things so that they could keep building it. So they did the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's an awful lot of opportunity. Um, regardless of what the energy technology is. Um, you know, GE is going to become the Internet of Things energy company. Mm -hmm. you know, everything they're doing here in Boston leads that direction. Uh, tremendous opportunity there. Uh, so if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be, be looking at that end of things, the mm -hmm. IoT end of things. Yeah. Because um, there's, there's just untapped opportunity there. It's going to be just really cool to watch. Great. Cool. I like that. Can you say, well, you have to do well to do good? Yeah. I, li I like that saying a lot. You know, you can do great things in the world, but you have to look at the realities of it and you have to make money on it. It has to be a sustainable operation. Mm -hmm. And the more you can do that, the more good you can do in the world. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I think that's really cool. The actual sweat and tears and reading those academic papers. <laughs> <laughs> no more academic papers. <laughs> no, I just can't do it. I can't. That's why I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Traumatized. <laughs> so our last question is um, about where your internal motivations come from. Where does your passion for solar specifically? Katie mentioned that you have to choose a type of renewable energy and you run with that. How did you both choose solar. Um, so I f first was introduced to solar as sort of as a research topic and as an energy in undergrad. Um, I actually have to credit my PhD advisor, uh, Tonio Bonacisi. 
he oh, gave a talk um, my sophomore year during IAP at MIT. Um, it was a, a seminar on um, materials and renewable energy and how material science can be applied to, to renewable energy research. Antonio at the time was working at Evergreen and he great, gave a great talk on solar. Um, it was so good that I decided that I want to do solar. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do solar for the rest of my life and work on this. Um, and so that's what I did. I, I contacted Tony a little bit later about an internship. I got to work at Evergreen Solar. Um, and then I stayed on MIT as a student of Tonio's for several or many years. <laughs> <laughs> so often it does seem that it just takes that one person to inspire you and change your mind about what you want to do with your life. Mm -hmm. And he really believes in solar. And yes, he, does. he spreads that enthusiasm to a lot of people, which is great. <laughs> cool. How about you, Les? I got into it by accident. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, uh, I very proudly got myself fired from a job when I lived in Rochester, New York. You know, when I was uh, between jobs there, I, I was just kind of casting around on university and national lab websites to see what was there. Mm -hmm. And I ran across something on the Los Alamos Labs website, and I took one look at it and said, I know a better way to do it than that. <laughs> I'm not sure that was true, but um, so I started poking around. It turned out, surprisingly enough, one of the, the, the world-renowned expert in this particular technology was at the Rochester Institute of Technology about two miles away from there me. There you go. Um, and so we co-founded the, co the company, Wakanda Technologies, back in 2005 um, and made a go of it. Uh, and I've kind of dabbled in a few other things since then, um, medical devices, wind turbines, you know, I've looked at a few different things, but came back to this thing because um, there's just so much potential in solar mm -hmm. um, as a business and as an energy source that it just didn't make sense to try to learn something new again. Sure. Uh, I didn't want to read academic papers either. <laughs> yeah, uh, he knows what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, it really was by accident that I got into it, but now, you know, it kind of gets in your blood. Um, yeah. So, and you get to know the market well, and, you know, why start out with a brand new market and a new technology and have to build new connections. New and network, everything, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that yeah. wraps it up Thank for... Thank you, guys. Um, sure. Just going to bring sure. it on home here, I think. Yeah. It's been great. Well, thank you, Katie and Les, once again for joining us. Uh, if you want to know more, please check out our website uh, at talkcleanpodcast.com. Uh, in the show notes, you will find links to Test Solar's website. And if you would like to support the show, please tell a friend, tweet at us, or follow us on Instagram at talkcleanpod. And in the far future, give us a review on iTunes. Oh no, I didn't come up with a challenge for people this time. Well, uh We'll do one right now. Okay, I think I do have one. So if you give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice, um, you can pick the most ridiculous yoga position you know. <laughs> and both of us will try And we will attempt it. <laughs> we will attempt that within reasonable safety precautions. Well, maybe we'll wear helmets. Maybe it might, you know, we know what kind of safety and precautions we'll need. Yeah, <laughs> neck braces, harness. We will attempt uh, this yoga position to the best. Promise to try to the best of our abilities. <laughs> if you give us a five star review with the uh, the podcast, um, and likewise follow us on Instagram to find those 
upcoming oh, yeah. photos. I guess they, <laughs> they have to exist somewhere, I guess. The internet doesn't forget either, so. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it does not. Oh, oh boy, what have we gotten Our ourselves into, now. Chloe? <laughs> but please, give us a, give us a review. Um, feel free to contact us, get in touch about suggestions. If you are interested in coming on the show, uh, please contact us at contact at talkcleanpodcast.com um, or similarly tweet at us. Uh, we do check. And when we have emails, we will check. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also have a mailing list on our website. So cool. please sign up sign for up. that as well. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. Um, one last thing. Katie and Liz, was there anything you guys wanted to plug in particular? Um, any shout out? The rest of our gang is fantastic. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Elise, Malcolm, Young, um, Yaku, Katie, Les, Kathy, and Jeffrey. Jeffrey. All right. That's the gang. All right. Shout out to the gang. Thank you to those guys. Cool. All right. I think that wraps it up for Talk Lean to Me. It does. Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Don't hit the delete all button.